Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is a story about a series of murders and disappearances that happened in the winter of 2000. Previously on a new winter. Doobridge laughed. Mr. Tilly's behind something, all right. But he's just a small part of the puzzle. I'm not even, like, a speck of dust on the outside of the box of the puzzle. And just then Michael walked in, now with clean hands. What what did you just say? he asked. What, the puzzle? I answered back. No, the, the name, what name did you say? Who, Mr. Tooley? Yeah, you, you guys know him then? Doobridge and I looked at one another. Uh, yeah, we know him. Why? That's who I'm looking for, Michael said. Mr. Tooley, he's... Well, he's my father. This is episode 31 of A New Winter. Tooley had children. I thought you said your name was Michael Verdun, or Verdad or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, Verdun. Yes, I I changed my name once and ran away from it. I became, you know, my own man. That's why I came back, to see him and mum and my brother, if he's still about. Okay, so this must have been a long time ago, Duber just. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably about 30 years. And you had a mother? Of course, don't everyone? Duber looked puzzled. Hmm. This is, well, useful, I guess. Useful how, I asked. Duber didn't answer. Instead, he just got up and said, let's go. As he walked out of the main bar, I had flashbacks of seeing the madame here, dying in front of us, of Nicola. Dubridge took a peep through the letterbox. Yeah, still there. Looks like some media people now as well. I guess they wanted this one to come out. Well, what happens now? Michael asked. We just walk out, he answered. You are? We walk out. If we sneak about looking shifty, it's worse. Believe me, we're far away enough for it to be no matter. We just walk in the opposite direction. Now the media are here, they'll be focusing on that anyway. Just that natural. With that, he opened the door and we walked out. Letting the door just slam behind us. Dubridge started talking. Uh, so I've seen anything good on TV lately? What? No, Michael answered. Just make something up. So it just looks like we're talking. Talk about anything. Dubridge said with a smile. Won't they recognise you? I asked. Not if we keep walking and facing away. Jesus, you two would never make MI5. We walked a safe distance and Dubridge took us to one side. We need to split up. I want you to both meet me here tomorrow, same time. Neither of you be late either. I think we've got a lot to discuss. And with that, he walked off. I looked at Michael. He couldn't have looked more confused. What just happened? He said. Look, let's just go our separate ways for now. Find another hotel. I'm going to try and find somewhere to rest. I'll see you here tomorrow. And I left him. To be honest, I thought it was a hindrance. It wasn't going to help me get any answers about anything. But the fact that he was Mr. Tooley's son, not sure whether he's adopted or not, but I could use that against the man if I needed to. Now that Jackie was dead, it just made everything more confusing. I mean, who would want to kill her? Perhaps was it the same person that killed Kate? 
I took a walk. I had to think about it. The conclusion I came to was that there has to be more than one killer. The stock wheels and now the old house. That must have had the same killer. I mean, perhaps that creature in the woods with the mass grave. Then there's the death of Henry the German, of Jackie. I mean, those murders feel more... I don't know, more brutal, more human, more personal. Then there's Nicola and the, the burning. What did happen that night? I just can't quite recall. And those files, all those past disappearances and murders just locked away in those cabinets. How has this gone on for so long? Where would I go next? I just needed to keep my head down, at least for the moment. There were still people here after me, but well, there was one place I could try and go. One place, one place I could stay and perhaps try and find some answers. And that's the forest. Back to where I heard the laughing. Back to where Kate's stalker was. I had to confront whomever or whatever was lying out there, living in the ruins of the old house. If I left now, I thought, I could get there before dark. And so I walked through the snow in my nice clean clothes that belonged to Michael. And as I walked, I wondered if I'd still know the way. But something inside me, like a homing device, was just leading me there. As I walked further, I noticed the tower in the distance pointing up to the sky. I wondered if it could hear my thoughts, if it was listening to all our thoughts. And as I approached the forest, I felt it loom over me again, trying to intimidate me with its grandeur. But I felt more confident this time. I felt like I could conquer whatever was inside there. In between the branches, this, this monster in the forest. The one Thule was so afraid of. I walked in and continued forth, each stride as focused as the next. The light was starting to fade now, the sky turning a dark blood red. The shadows felt more forthcoming, creeping from out of the darkness and growing in strength as the time passed. I could feel a sense of getting closer to my destination and then from out of nowhere, I saw a huddled figure in the distance. It looked like someone crouched down with a grey blanket covering them in the middle of the thicket in the snow. It stood out like a sore thumb. I walked slowly towards it. And I became very aware of the sound of the snow crunching under my feet. As I approached it closer and closer, it looked smaller than an adult. It looked as if it was like a, like a child hiding. I was now right in front of it. It hadn't moved an inch. I had to see what was underneath. I carefully held out my hand and in one swift move threw off the blanket, revealing small pile of rocks I then felt a presence behind me but before I could turn around I felt the ground beneath me give way and I was suddenly thrown up into the air I was in some kind of some kind of snare a trap for a moment I was disorientated and wasn't sure what was happening the trap was a thick rubber material impossible to see through I suddenly got claustrophobic and began to fear for my life I wriggled around, but my movement was limited. I didn't have anything sharp enough to get me out. Shit, I thought. I'm stuck. Then I felt that presence again. 
This time from, from outside the trap. It was circling me. I couldn't hear any footsteps, but I just knew. And then a voice arose. What are you doing here? It said. It was a man. Gruff. Like I hadn't spoken in a while. I'm looking for someone, I said. Who? The, the, the man. The man in the house with the with his grave out back with the, the bodies of the kids. I didn't kill him. K- kill who? I asked. The kids. I know what you're thinking. I didn't kill them. I was saving them. Saving them from what? From the village. From Robert. Who's, who's Robert? You remember him, the voice said. Bob the Bear. Robert. I, I don't know what you're talking about. You do, the voice shouted. I remained quiet and the voice seemed to settle. You do. He needs them, the children. Feeds on them. Helps us. Helps who, I asked. Us, the voice shouted again. Okay, okay, sorry, it's just, I, I don't know what's going on. The voice sighed. Ah, oh, same old story. You're so pathetic. I'm left out here, and you, you're out there, living among them, being one of them, living the good life. Couldn't even let me have Kate, could you? Kate? You you knew Kate, I said. Of course I knew Kate, the voice said. We both did. I had to watch her, watch her with you, knowing who you were, and you... Knowing I liked her, I'd always liked her. How would I know that? I'm sick of these games. What do you want? What? 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 what I don't know. What did? Did you kill Kate? I asked. Voice laughed. <laughs> no, never. I don't do that. Robert, that was probably his work. You should know that. I doubt he actually did it himself. Okay, well, do you, do you know who's next? Do I know who's next? Of course not. I never bloody do. You expect way too much of me. Let me ask you a question. You tell me. Do you remember nothing of me? I don't even know who you are, if that's what you mean. Voice sighed. Oh, well, this may be the last time, then. Robert won't like that. You should stay away from him, I think. Stay away from here would probably be the best bet. I felt like he was about to say goodbye, but it wasn't enough. Wait, I said. Please wait. I I need help. I feel like I'm losing my mind. That's because, the voice said, that's because you are. I don't know. What should I do? You have to help. Dr. Carver. He might be able to help you, the voice said. I've seen, I've seen that name before. Under the house and some files. Where can I find him? Where can you find him? Where do you think? Where all doctors are. The hospital. Just don't come back here. Ever. The voice said. Thank you. What, what's your name? I asked. But there was silence. Hello? Nothing. Then all of a sudden I dropped from the air onto my ass, And I cried out in pain. But 
Perhaps it was more from the shock. I got myself free of the trap and looked around. Nothing. Nowhere. The presence, the voice, was gone. I was surrounded by the darkness, but at least now I had another step to take. I had to find the doctor. There was something wrong with me, clearly. And maybe he could help. But as I walked away I noticed a light in the sky. A blue light emanating from the sky down onto me. I walked further on and I saw the tower. The bright blue light was coming from the tower in the sky. Then all of a sudden, switched off. I stood still, staring in its direction. Was that, was that someone watching me? Listening? Did they hear that conversation? I had some answers at least. That's if the voice was to be trusted. I couldn't imagine why it would have lied, but, but I had the sense it was unhappy. That something was bothering it. Not that it was being deceitful. The rabbit hole was growing larger. Whomever this Robert was was clearly a big deal. Perhaps he was the key. Maybe Tooley wasn't the big bad wolf he made himself out to be. The cold had started to set in, and I was a little unsure where I was going. That inner drive within me had fizzled out, and I was now getting lost. There was, until I reached a clearing, and there, right in front of me, was the Stockwell farm. Except this time, standing outside their house were about a hundred or so dark figures. Like a small army waiting for battle and holding up flaming torches. As I got closer, I saw they were the masked ones, naked with those strange skull-like faces. And they were completely silent. What were they waiting for? Me? I stood still and waited, but nothing. They didn't move, and neither did I. Had I been standing in the snow, naked, at night, I would have been freezing, shivering, but this lot seemed... used to it, like they couldn't feel a thing. I could see they were alive. I mean, their breath was floating up into the air. I started walking towards them. Something compelled me. Then I could hear their breathing. It was guttural. Deep, but fast. Then I realised they weren't looking at me at all. They were facing the stockwheel house, but their masks had been pushed to the back of their heads. As I approached them, they did not turn around. They still did not even move. I squeezed in between two of them and looked at their faces. They were human, but I didn't recognise them. But not only were they breathing fast, their eyes had rolled up into their heads, as if they were having some sort of silent fit or some kind of trance. They didn't acknowledge me in any way. I looked onwards through the crowd and decided to head for the house. I pushed past the bodies, still unmoving, still standing. As I got nearer to the front door, it became harder to push through. There were just so many of them now, all facing in towards the house. I stood on my toes and saw that the crowd had filled up the entire doorway and inside the house. I shoved my way through and made my way inside. They seemed to be facing the lounge. With all these bodies huddled together, I actually started to get hot. Soon I was sweating. My breathing started to quicken as well. I was panicking. The bodies were getting too much. But as I pushed into the lounge, it was near empty. 
and the first thing I saw was the back of someone looking down at some strange creature. What's happening here? I said. And the figure turned round. And it was Mr. Tooley. Ha! <laughs> he laughed. Just when I think again that you're perhaps beyond hope, you surprise me yet again. What's going on? I asked, pushing through to stand right in front of him. Well, the fact that you're asking means that you still need help. To push, maybe. Well, we'll look into it. Tell me, did you enjoy seeing your parents? They weren't my parents. Tuli laughed again. No, no, you're quite right. But we did have to try, didn't we? You do seem to be hanging in there. What do you mean? Are you getting headaches? Are your memories starting to feel a bit... different? Yes, I said. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. What have you done to me? Us? Nothing. In fact, we're hoping to make you better. We truly are. You just have to accept what's inside you, like we all do. You have to accept what you've truly become. Just then, whatever was behind him began to stir. Well, looks like you're just in time, Tilly announced. Stepped to one side. There on the floor I could see what looked like some kind of pulsating slug-like creature. Pure black, writhing in its own juices. It didn't give off annoyance but was wiggling around like it was in some kind of distress. I was speechless, but Tootie just kept looking at me. I'm glad you're here, you know. I'm glad that you can see this for yourself. What am I looking at? I asked. And then... I started to notice that the slug was bulging in different areas. Almost as if someone was pushing from inside. Then the skin tore, and out poured this thick black liquid all over the floor. It stank. I jumped back out of the way. I think you're going to like this, said Mr. Tooley with a big grin. And he started to dance around, humming a little tune to himself. And there, curled in a ball lying within the loose skin of what was the slug creature and covered in this black, horrible ooze. It was a human. In fact, it looked like a naked woman. I felt my breath stop. That hair. I only knew one person who had hair like that. Mr. Tilly gave a little clap. <gasps> Here she is, he said. And the woman stood up and looked at me. And there, in front of me, was Kate Stockwell. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. For more info, including how you can support the show, please visit anewwinter.com. Thank you for listening to A New Winter. to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So... 
What are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.